Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. We have been doing a series on Ephesians, and uh, if you've got your Bibles there today, you can open to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we've been in Ephesians now for probably a good, I don't know, two or three months. Um, and we've just been working our way through slowly. And uh, we are looking at today at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through to 9. I think it should be up on the screen for you, hopefully. I'm just going to quickly read it to you. And um, let's have a quick look. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Amen. Let's go home. Have some lunch. <laughs> Kidding. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well for you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win favor when their eyes are on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if, it were, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are a slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, um, since you know that he who is both master, uh, so, so, so that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Interesting quick reflection that Paul in prison as he's writing this is writing to an audience where there is children, where there is fathers, where there's slaves, and where there is masters all in the same setting. Interesting thought, and we're not going to focus too much on that today. But before we jump into this passage, um, I think it's important that we view it through the right lens. Because depending on how we look at this passage and what lens we have on when we actually read this passage, when we read the Word of God um, at all, um, changes the way we actually see it. You know, in our westernized culture, we have levels of power and authority everywhere we look. In businesses, businesses can often be about climbing the ladder and we often elevate and listen to the ones in positions of power. We'll go out of our way to impress the right people in high positions in order to get maybe recognized or get elevated ourselves. Our questions often revolve around who's the boss and who's in charge. And then our attention and our time and affection is often focused towards these people. We place people often in categories dependent on where they fit into this order. And depending on how much power and authority you have, in turn, we put levels of importance on people according to where they sit in the power of structure that we often find ourselves in in the world today. And so here's the thing. If, if that's our filter for reading this passage, then all this passage becomes is who's in charge. Who's, where does the master fit in? Who's the boss? What if the father is a slave? Where does he fit in? Does the teenager, is he higher or lower than the slave? And etc., etc. You know, Paul, in the previous chapters that we've looked at over the, over the last few weeks, has gone to great lengths 
to address this difference between having a kingdom Jesus-looking lens at the way that we view Scripture and the way that we view the world and the way that we view the hierarchical lens that we often see in the world. Paul has gone to great lengths to address the difference between these so that we can have a kingdom-looking lens through the way that we actually view church and life and God. And we need to be careful that our lens for reading the Word is a kingdom Jesus-looking like lens and not a worldly one. Let's do a bit of a recap for the, from the last couple of months. Paul begins in chapter 1 with the truth that every believer has been chosen by God before the foundation of the world. It says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we will be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us to, uh, to, predestined us to adoption as sons, through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will. You know, this isn't a select few or those that sit and meet up to some kind of standard, but everyone. God's heart is that everyone would grab hold of this. God's heart is that everyone would grab hold of the sonship that he has and that he has adopted each one of us. It's up to us whether or not we choose to receive that. Paul then teaches us about unity. We had quite a few weeks where we talked about unity, and and Paul talked about that these are the truths and blessings that all believers have in common. He wrote that all Christians are adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. All believers are redeemed through his blood and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, he goes on and clears up some of the most misconceived and maybe ignored subjects, maybe even up until today. That salvation is simply by grace. He wrote that salvation is by, by the grace of God and that through faith that no one can contribute to salvation in any way. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. The, level, the playing field is level. We're all on the same page when it comes to salvation doesn't matter how many good deeds we do. That doesn't work towards our salvation. It's a free gift that we have been given. Does that mean we don't focus on doing good? No, but we need to understand that the good we do flows out of who we are in Christ, not out of this competitive, westernized culture to get recognized. In chapters 4 and 5, Paul encourages us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Every believer has a responsibility to live as servants of Jesus Christ. Paul teaches that it takes hard work to be in unity with each other. And it does sometimes, right? We don't all agree on the same things. It takes hard work. But he says that these are the we need we're called to be imitators, and he mentions the truths and gives advice for well functioning families in chapter five. Husbands and wives who upon the oath of marriage will become one flesh. Paul explains the concept of a biblical marriage, we see. Paul explains that the the concept of biblical marriage, it's a picture of the way that Christ loves the church. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know what? When a husband learns to love his wife in this way, the wife usually has no issues fulfilling the roles that it paints out. 
It's not hard for a wife to respect her husband if her husband is loving her the way Christ loved the church. And now we find ourselves in chapter 6 where we see Paul address children, husbands, slaves, and masters. But again, it's not about who is in charge and who isn't in charge. I'm going to go back even further just for a moment. In Genesis, at the very beginning of time, it's important for us to get the foundation of God's original plan for the human race, for us. In Genesis, we see that God, um, number, verse, chapter 1, verse 28, it says, God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. He said, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Notice that God never said it's your job to rule over each other. God never intended us to rule over one another. God intended that we would live and walk and love in relationship with each other and rely on him as our master, as our king, as our saviour, as number one. The problem is that problem often is with earthly rulers that often takes our focus away from who God is and shifts our attention to earthly things. I love what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Our commanding officer is Jesus Christ. He's our commanding officer. He's the one we look to as authority over all things. You might be thinking, maybe even in the Old Testament, you might be thinking, but what about the kings we read about in the Old Testament? I'm glad you asked. There's an interesting story that we read about in, in 2 Samuel. And it talks a lot about this power and authority thing that we often face today. And how does that line up with our kingdom role and our kingdom responsibility? And Israel, God's chosen people, who God had led out of Egypt and spent some significant time in the desert looking around, they find themselves in a place where Samuel, their leader, um, had a number of sons who his sons were actually going to take over from him. Um, let me, let's pick up the story. 1 Samuel chapter 8, it says, When Samuel grew old, grew old he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders, uh, but his sons did not follow his ways. They had kind of lost the plot, if you like. And so the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel, and they said to him, You're old, and your sons have lost the plot. Um, doesn't actually say that. I'm just saying that, but that's basically what had happened. And um, this is what it says. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. And so is Israel, God's chosen people, their king was God. They kind of got sick of that, if you like, and they looked around at all the other nations who had appointed kings. And they said, we want to be like all the other nations. Samuel wasn't overly stoked with that. And so he goes to God. It says, says that he went to God and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, he says, listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected. They've rejected me as their king. 
I don't know about you, but I read that passage and find that as a significant moment in history where God's chosen people chose to put their trust in an earthly king. And God sees that as them, as them rejecting him as king and putting their trust in an earthly king. In choosing an earthly king, they rejected God himself. And every kingdom, most kingdoms and governments that we look around at now have been founded on the precedent of rejecting God. Does that mean that God can't work in amongst those things? No, God is a God that will always choose to, to move, work within the culture that he finds himself. Why? Because he's passionate about humans. He's passionate about us and restoring people to himself. And so that's what we read from the, from the time man fell right through to now. God has been a God that will always choose to enter into the culture, no matter how messy it looks like, to bring about his peace, to bring about restoration between relationship between him. Finally, he entered into the depths of our sin and through Jesus Christ, he broke the power of sin over death that you and I would be in a right relationship with him. When we give our life to Christ, he becomes our king. He becomes our president. He becomes our prime minister, our life. And who we serve looks like Jesus. We become part of the kingdom of God and we become distinct from all the other kingdoms of the world. Let's go back to our passage for today. Ephesians chapter 6. This is what it says, and you can follow along. I think it should be up on the screen for you. It says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well for you. You know, it's from that lens of kingdom that we need to view this. Kids won't have a hard time honouring their parents if their parents are loving them in the way that Jesus loves the church. Do I pull my kids up on things? Of course I do. Do I put up with them being disrespectful to me or my wife or other people in authority? Of course I don't. But I don't do that out of a place of I'm in power or I have authority over you. It's out of a place of I love my kids. And this is what the Word of God calls me to do, to instruct them in the ways of God. Because I love them and I have a responsibility to train and instruct them in kingdom principles. That all people are valuable. I have a role as a father to teach my kids that all people are valuable. That all people have insurpassable worth and value because of what Jesus has done for them. Youth, this isn't a tick the box. Honor your mum and dad so that life will go well for you. When we understand, when you understand who your king is and you walk in obedience to him, God says, honor your parents. And you know what? I know this can be a challenge sometimes, right? Because me as a parent, I don't always get it right. But my kingdom response is hopefully to recognize that and, and have, have the humility to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I stuffed up there. And I do that often, right? I don't know if you're a dad or a mom or, or whatever, but... Sometimes I just think, oh my gosh, I think I'm wrecking my kids. But we have a responsibility to bring about kingdom principles. And if you're a youth today and you know what, you're in a household where maybe your parents don't, don't believe, that's a challenge, right? But can I, if I can say anything to you this morning, walk out your walk with God with grace. Walk out your relationship with your parents with grace. 
Over the years, we've had quite a few people, youth, come to us at times and say, we want to get baptized, but my mum and dad doesn't want me to get baptized. And as much as I'm the last person to put rules or whatever around that kind of stuff, I'm like, you've got to walk out that journey with grace. Spend some time talking to your parents about why this is important to you. Because I know that if your parents don't believe and they don't know, often they just think you're going to join some crazy cult and they're never going to see you again. And that can often be their perception. But when you spend some time saying, this is why this is important, this is what I've come to know about God, explain that relationship with them. Walk that journey out with your parents. Walk it out in grace. And I know it's difficult. And there's been times where we've had to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable um, baptizing you at this moment when your parents are feeling like that. Let's just wait it out for a while. Let's just be patient on this and walk out that journey with God. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not. And it's not a legalistic thing. It's not about getting the way in. I'm going to do whatever I want. That's not what it's about. It's about walking that journey out in grace with your parents and with the people around you. Goes on and says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Dad's part of our role is when we're faced with situations with our kids, and we will be faced with situations with our kids. We live in a world where you and I get caught up in the crossfire. Our kids get caught up in the crossfire of the evil that is in our world. Good stuff happens to bad people. Bad stuff happens to good people. It doesn't always make sense. And our kids are growing up in that. And so dad's part of our role is to take the time to actually say, you know what, there's a kingdom response to every situation we face and there's a worldly response to every situation we face. And sometimes it's about just painting that picture for our children. I think we have a responsibility to instruct. That's what it says here. We have a responsibility to instruct our kids. This is what a kingdom response looks like in this situation. This is what a worldly one looks like. This is where you're going to end up if this one happens. This is where you're going to end up. Empower them to make a decision. Because what, when, what we do is when we instruct our kids like that, when they get older, they're going to continue to face situations where there's a kingdom response and there's a worldly response. It's part of our role. Do we always get that right? No. But again, this is part of our role as, as dads. Goes on and says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you, uh, each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Does Paul think slavery is okay? Not for a minute. Not for a second. And the Bible has a whole lot to do about slavery. I love what Danny's doing. I love that we have an opportunity to stand and, and, and walk through our city and, and increase awareness that slavery is bigger today than it was back in the times of the Bible. I love that we have that. But does Paul think this is okay? Not at all. You know what? Whenever anyone is looked down on or treated less than for someone else's personal gain, that's completely the opposite to the kingdom of God. Completely the opposite. And you know what? That can creep in in subtle ways 
in the way that you and I do life as well. But you know what? Here's the thing. The way that Paul addresses this in this passage is, I think, is absolutely brilliant. He goes on and says this, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Paul completely destroys this whole hierarchical power thing that we have going on here in our westernized culture. He says there is one master over all things, and in one day we will all stand before him. Paul is really smart in these teaching because get this, if a master was to treat a slave the way that Jesus loves the church, he wouldn't feel like a slave for too long. He'd become part of the family. I love the way he paints that picture. Paul is saying here that wherever you find yourself in the worldly hierarchical system, and please don't hear me wrong today, we, we, we have a system of structure, and Paul paints that out. It's painted out pretty clear on, on the way the church should run. But here's the thing, the leaders and elders that we have in the church, it's not about power. It's about gifting. It's about discipleship. It's about understanding that we're, we all have different gifts and we all have something different to bring to the table. And it's beautiful when we see it like that. But let's not mix it up with this worldly power trip thing that the world is on. We have a kingdom response to love and serve like Jesus. We invite the team to come up and we're just about done. You know what? This is the whole point of this passage today. That whether you're a child or a father or a slave or a master, Paul's saying, I don't care what the label is. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, this is how you are to treat each other, to love and serve like Jesus Christ. Whether you're a CEO of a company or you're unemployed, whether you have lots of money or none, whether you have five kids or no kids, whether you're the leader over a hundred people or no people, whether you are married or single, whether you're in prison or free, whether you're sick or healthy, hungry or well-fed, whether you're a slave or free, the kingdom response is exactly the same. To love and serve like Christ did. To see all people all the time as people, not on different levels, or of this hierarchical scale that we often see, but deeply loved and people with unsurpassable worth and value because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. Let me finish with this. Out of that same passage that we've just read this morning, it says this, Do the will of God from your heart. This is for all of us. Do the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Father God, we, we stand before you today and we recognize that we often get caught up in the power struggles of this world. And Father, we see clearly in your word 
Father God, that the kingdom response is radically, radically different from the world in which we live in. Holy Spirit, I say you would help us. Help us to, to be your kingdom people. Help us to have the Jesus response. Father God, help us to love and serve like Jesus did. Father, I thank you that every person on this planet is incredibly valuable. I thank you for each person here today with the struggles and the challenges and, and all the things that go along with that, Father. Wherever it is that we find ourselves, God, I thank you for the privilege because it is God. It's such an honor to serve people, to love people. And Lord, we just say today, we ask that it will be your love that throws, flows through each one of us. Lord, I ask for your spirit just to rest upon each one of us. You know the struggles, you know the challenges that we all face. And Father, today we just make a, a decision in our heart that God, as we're faced with situations, we want to have the kingdom response, God. We want to have a Jesus response. And so we thank you for your word that brings truth, God. And we ask that it would come alive in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.